0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Investigations are underway to see who fired the missile that landed in Poland, killing two people. NATO members are saying that ultimately one country is responsible. Trump is running for president for the third time. We hear from an expert how this could be different from the first two and what Trump might have to watch out for. The Democratic Party has maintained the majority in the Senate, but all eyes are on the Georgia runoff. Why is this race important for the party's agenda? Senator Mitch McConnell secures another two years as the Senate GOP leader, but how his colleagues voted could signal divide within the Republican Party. We look into the growing number of people speaking out about their regrets after becoming transgender. And what a Heritage Foundation Senior Research Fellow says needs to happen next. Many are wondering what NATO will do after a missile landed in Poland killing two people. It doesn't look like a direct attack from Russia, but NATO leaders say ultimately Russia is responsible. NTD's Jason Perry has that story.
1: NATO Secretary Jen Stoltenberg addressed the missile that landed in Poland, killing two people.
2: But let me be clear. This is not Ukraine's fault. Russia bears ultimate responsibility as it continues its illegal war against Ukraine.
1: The missile landed in a village in eastern Poland, about three and a half miles from the Ukrainian border. Some of the residents shared their thoughts.
3: Yes, we have fear. It is not a pleasant thing that has happened here. Something has hit here. We don't know what yet, because there is nothing confirmed yet. And two persons were killed.
4: He was a very helpful man. He had a plot of land left by his mother-in-law and took care of the garden. He was here recently and picked all the vegetables.
1: The president of Poland shared the country's findings so far.
4: There are absolutely no indications that it was a direct attack on Poland. We have no evidence that the rocket might have been launched by Russians. In all likelihood, it was launched by the Ukrainian air defense system to protect the Ukrainian territory." Kremlin
1: spokesman Dmitry Peskov said Russia doesn't have any relation with the missile incident in Poland. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Zelensky has denied that it was a Ukrainian missile. U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin also shared the latest on the investigations to see who fired the missile.
3: We have full confidence in Poland's ability to uh, to conduct this investigation in a proper way. Uh, and until that's complete, again, I think it's it's uh, it'd be premature for anybody to jump to, to conclusions.
1: But could the results of the investigation lead to a war with Russia? The director of the Europe program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies said this.
5: My expectation
1: is that this doesn't necessarily... I doubt this will trigger Article 5 and that NATO will uh, uniformly agree to sort of go ahead to uh, launch an attack against Russia. I don't think that will happen. I don't think this is going to precipitate World War III. He added that he thinks this will lead to more support for Ukraine in the conflict. And U.S. Representative John Garamendi of the House Armed Services Committee announced today that they are going to send more air defense systems into Ukraine. Jason Perry, NTD News.
0: And the White House is asking Congress for nearly $38 billion more for Ukrainian-related aid, including $13 billion for direct budgetary support for the Ukraine government. The request was made today via a letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Congress has already approved nearly $66 billion in total aid for Ukraine since March. The packages have included funding for arms, food and resettlement. The bulk of the new request is for defense aid including equipment and training. And former President Trump is running again. He announced his third White House bid last night. A lot has changed since he ran the first time. We hear from an expert about what this campaign might look like.
4: America's comeback starts right now. During his speech, the former president highlighted how, in his opinion, things have gotten worse since President Biden took over the role.
2: Two years ago, when I left office, the United States stood ready for its
4: golden age. Trump criticized the crisis at the southern border, record high inflation, and violent crime rates, all issues he says he'll tackle. He also promised to be tough when it comes to dealing with China, and touted the trade war he fought against the country. We spoke with Nicholas Giordano, a professor of political science, who says Republicans have broken up in three different groups, which Trump has to address during the primary. You have the Republicans that are establishment, never Trumpers, and they despise the former president.
2: Then you have those that are his diehard supporters, and and, uh, they're going to support him no matter what. And then you have the third category of Republicans. They actually like the former president a lot, and they feel that he was unfairly treated. But at the same time, they don't
4: want the drama. He added that he doesn't think Trump's guaranteed to get the nomination. There are a number of different active investigations into Trump and the Trump organization. Giordano says it's hard to say whether all those investigations could pose any problems for Trump. I mean, again,
2: this has been the most investigated person in U.S. history, and the fact that they
4: couldn't charge him with anything uh, reveals a lot. Last week, President Biden said he'll find legal ways to make sure Trump will not become president again. Lawmakers have said similar things, often pointing to Trump's alleged involvement in January 6th Giordano says most people have different things on their minds by now.
2: I think ultimately people tied to January 6th. People have a lot on their plate when it comes to economic issues and the crime that's occurring and the collapse of the school systems.
4: He added that Trump still has to make sure that he doesn't make a controversial statement about January 6th in the future, since it could get him in trouble. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News.
0: And following Trump's announcement, a reporter asked Florida Governor Ron DeSantis today about a purported GOP civil war. Here's his response.
6: We just finished this election, okay? People just need to chill out a little bit on some of this stuff. We have this Georgia runoff coming, which is very important for Republicans to win that Georgia runoff.
0: The Georgia runoff is between Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and Republican challenger Herschel Walker. Republicans must win the race to keep the 50-50 split in the Senate. The governor made the remarks during a press conference on Hurricane Ian recovery efforts. Democrats have secured the majority in the Senate, but the Georgia runoff between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker may still be a key race for the party. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. Democrats maintain control of the Senate for the next
7: two years. That means they can still approve President Biden's judicial nominees. But what happens if Senator Raphael Warnock, a Democrat, loses the Georgia runoff?
6: If Herschel Walker wins the race, what ends up happening is that um, many of these um, judge appointments may not put, go through.
7: A former Georgia congressional candidate says Democrats will have a tough time.
6: We'll have a tougher time, and um, ultimately I think it would give... Uh, the Republican Party, some type of momentum go- heading into 2024, seeing that in you know, the Democratic Party is up in the air. Who's the front runner um, for, for the presidential nomination?
7: He said a Democratic win will boost Biden's legacy.
6: President Biden is going to create his legacy for, be- for being able to shape um, judges or the judicial system within America for the next a uh, few years until um, it's those appointees' um, time run out on the bench um, or until any other. Um, judges are selected.
7: Forbes reports that with the current 50-seat majority, committees will likely continue to have equal numbers of Democrats and Republicans. Democrats will need some GOP support to move nominations out of committees. But there's also a new development. As you know, uh, former President Donald Trump recently announced his intention to run for president in 2024. Uh, what impact could this run have on the Georgia race for Senate?
6: President Trump, excuse me, endorsed us. Uh, former Senator uh, David Perdue, to which David Perdue lost the primary to Brian Kemp. And what I'm seeing based off of that is it's kind of split down the middle where some people support Trump, but a lot of people don't support Trump as well.
7: He said some guy. people won't vote for Herschel Walker simply because he's endorsed by Trump.
6: And I think that with the media um,
7: basically alienating and ostracized Donald Trump as they have,
6: it has, um, you know, been, been very persuasive.
7: And with the Republicans projected to win a slim majority in the House, he said all of the initiatives that the Democratic Party wants to push through probably won't happen. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York.
0: Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is re-elected as the Republican leader in the Senate. But the longtime leader faced his first challenger in 15 years.
3: In a secret ballot election on Wednesday, Senator Mitch McConnell was re-elected as Senate GOP leader. McConnell has been the leader since 2007, but this time he faced his first challenger in 15 years, Senator Rick Scott of Florida. McConnell got 37 votes, while Scott got 10. One senator voted present. Here's how the Kentucky senator reacted to the vote.
2: At first, I don't own this job. Uh, anybody who wants to uh, run for it can feel free to do so. And... Um, So I'm not in any way offended by having an opponent or having a few votes in opposition.
3: McConnell said he's proud of the vote count of 37 to 10. And when a reporter asked McConnell whether being challenged for the first time has made him more likely to consider stepping aside, he said.
2: Look, I'm not going anywhere.
3: Scott only announced his bid for GOP leader on Tuesday. He wrote, the status quo is broken and big change is needed. It's time for new leadership in the Senate that unites Republicans to advance a bold conservative agenda. Here's what Scott said about the GOP leadership in an interview with Fox News on Sunday.
2: The Republican leadership caved in on the debt ceiling, caved in on a gun bill, caved in on a fake infrastructure bill, and that, that we make it difficult for our candidates. We can't, we can't do that.
3: Former President Trump has also called for McConnell to be removed as Senate GOP leader. Trump wrote in August that McConnell is, quote, a pawn for the Democrats to get whatever they want. During Wednesday's vote, some 20 senators made their individual cases for either McConnell or Scott. Senator Susan Collins of Maine defended McConnell. And senators who have come out against McConnell include Mike Braun of Indiana, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, and Josh Hawley of Missouri.
5: I'm not going to vote for Senator McConnell, and I've I've been very clear about that. Um, And uh, I feel very strongly about that, and I said that before this election.
3: Before the conference on Wednesday, several Republican senators, including Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, called for the vote to be postponed. They pointed to disappointing results from the midterms and the runoff election in Georgia next month as reasons why. But their motion to delay the vote failed to pass.
5: I believe we should have a leader that actually listens to the conference and that is willing to stand and fight, doesn't roll over.
3: House Republicans held their leadership elections on Tuesday. Current House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is elected as the GOP nominee for House Speaker. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News.
0: Texas is now bussing illegal immigrants to Philadelphia. For months, Texas officials have been sending illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities like New York, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. The bus carrying 28 illegal immigrants from Texas arrived in Philadelphia this morning before dawn. Most of them are believed to come from Colombia, the Dominican Republic, and Cuba. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney said they are welcome in the city. On Tuesday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced that Philadelphia would be the next destination for illegal immigrants captured in Texas. On the same day, the governor said he will invoke the Invasion Clause of the U.S. and Texas constitutions to deal with the border crisis. In a letter to President Biden, Abbott said there's a need for more aggressive efforts. And turning now to transgenderism, while the number of teens in the U.S. turning to gender transition surgery or drugs grows, there's also now a growing number of people who've waded those waters and come out on the other side with regrets. Some are taking their stories to social media. An influencer called Adea this week published a video on TikTok and we'll show some of that now.
8: Do I regret it?
0: Short answer is yes. Why do I regret it? Well, because I will never be able to live a normal life. Adaya needs daily upkeep to avoid a potentially life-threatening infection after undergoing transgender surgery. And those who use puberty blockers and hormones can experience side effects ranging from stunted growth to dangerously low bone density, blood clots, diabetes, and even infertility. And those are just some of the known side effects. Long-term effects are, in many cases, still unknown. Earlier today, I spoke with Jay Richards, Senior Research Fellow at the Heritage Foundation, for his perspective. Jay Richards, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us.
5: It's great to be with you.
0: Now, a growing number of people who've received cross-sex hormones or surgeries and are speaking out publicly, saying that they regret their decision. What do you make of this phenomenon?
5: Well, I think what we're seeing is the bitter fruits of a social contagion in which kids pick up this idea that they might be the opposite sex, either from social media or, unfortunately, from their schools. And so this massive increase of young kids, minors, um, convinced of this idea. And so they start so-called gender-affirming care, as you said, with cross-sex hormones, sometimes puberty blockers, and then surgery only to realize later it was a terrible mistake. And so this is a a growing group of young people called detransitioners, and some of them are amazingly articulate. And honestly, I think um, many of us that have followed this for years thought this is probably where this is going to end up, and I think that's just the moment where we are in this debate.
0: Detransitioners talk about the complications that they've faced, including irreversible changes to their bodies. Many say that they weren't properly informed about the risks or other issues, such as infertility. So who's to blame here, do you think?
5: Well, I would say, look, sometimes doctors, I think for the most part that are engaged in this, actually think they're doing the right thing. Nevertheless, they have the professional and moral responsibility to actually assess the evidence. Anyone with basic statistics could look at the lack of evidence for the benefits of this treatment. They could look at what the UK has just done in reversing course. And so honestly, I think ultimately, it's going to be the doctors and the pediatric gender clinics that are on the front lines that we expect to look at the science that are not doing that, that are gonna ultimately be held responsible.
0: What effect do you think detransitioners talking about their struggles on social media could have on the youth?
5: I honestly think that this will be the deciding factor. I mean, it's actually, it's really sad that those of us following this from a policy perspective needed victims, actually, to be able to talk about this. But it was really sort of abstract until you have actual people, actually boys and girls, young men and young women with names and faces and stories talking about this. They've been already very important in hearings uh, in, in state venues that are considering these things and they play a major role in social media because for good or ill, uh, it's the social media platforms where most kids initially get these ideas. And so I'm hopeful uh, that social media can also be the source where many of them first hear the other side.
0: And the long-term effects of certain cross-sex procedures are still unknown. For example, some studies suggest that puberty blockers are not reversible. And more broadly speaking, it's still unclear based on the current research if these procedures are actually beneficial for patients. Yet this affirmative approach to gender dysphoria seems to be the most widely accepted, while other methods are shunned and considered politically incorrect. What's your take on that?
5: Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. I mean, this is so called gender affirming care. What gender affirming care means is not affirming the child as he or she is or affirming their body and helping them to adapt to their sex body. It's affirming a distorted internal gender identity and then transforming and uh, surgically sculpting their body to conform to that. So we're dealing, unfortunately, with euphemisms. We already know the kids that have gender dysphoria uh, before puberty, if allowed to go through puberty and just just carefully counseled and, and um, tended along the way, the vast majority of them actually grow out of this. Puberty is, in a sense, a, a sort of cure for gender dysphoria for many people. But if they're fast-tracked, if they're put on this transition, starting with social transitioning and, and ending in surgery, they're very likely to go all the way through with it and then have to suffer from the permanent regret later when they realize it was a mistake.
0: So considering the cultural and legal thrust towards affirming transgenderism, what do you think should be done to properly inform people of the realities of transitioning?
5: Well, I think, honestly, the first thing that should be done is there should be full disclosure. I mean, right now... There's a lot of rose colored glasses. Kids learn about this from social media influencers and then pediatric gender clinics. So many of them are ideologically committed to this rather than being committed to looking at the details of the situation. And so I honestly think what we need to have happen before we think about legislation banning these things, we need to be having hearings. States should be having hearings. Uh, the federal government should be having hearings over this treatment and actually hear the testimony of these detransitioners. I think that's honestly the most important thing that could happen in the near term
0: all right jay richards senior research fellow at the heritage foundation thank you so much for your time my pleasure and if you have any news tips or feedback for our show you can email us at eveningnews ntd.com coming up in los angeles 25 sheriff deputy recruits were injured during a formation run the vehicle that plowed into them was driving on the wrong side of the road and in Virginia, a witness to the deadly campus shooting spree says the victims weren't randomly chosen as police search for a motive. That and more coming up. 25 recruits from the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department were injured in an accident this morning. Most sustained minor to moderate injuries, but some are in critical condition. Here's NTD's Jackie Rios with that story.
8: 75 recruits from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department were running in formation this morning when an SUV crashed into the group. 25 other recruits were injured. A driver was driving the wrong way and struck the recruits. The crash occurred just before 6.30 in suburban Whittier, where a training academy is located. According to Sheriff Alex Villanueva, four had moderate injuries and 16 with minor injuries. The driver was among those with minor injuries.
1: They were running in formation heading northbound on Mills Road north of Telegraph when uh, a vehicle that was traveling southbound on mills uh, veered into the northbound lanes and struck
5: the formation.
8: The car with severe front-end damage straddled a toppled pole on a sidewalk. Authorities say the SUV struck a light pole, which saved the recruits' lives. The street is in a 25-miles-per-hour speed limit area. A large gathering of firefighters and ambulances responded to the scene, as well as numerous individuals nearby in uniform workout clothes. The driver was identified as a 22-year-old Hispanic man from suburban Diamond Bar, but his name was not revealed.
1: The driver was transported to local hospital. They were negative on a field sobriety test and uh, blew a 0.0 on the breathalyzer. So the cause of the accident, mode of anything, is unknown at this time.
8: Entities spoke to local residents, and they said accidents are common in the area.
7: Usually on their cell phones. It doesn't have to be necessarily speeding, but on their cell phones, not paying attention. I don't know what do you say to a tragedy like this. I mean, a lot of these young boys are going to be affected, their lives affected.
8: The sheriff's department says the injuries range from head trauma and broken bones to loss of limbs. At least one recruit is on a ventilator. Authorities said the California Highway Patrol is handling the traffic portion of the investigation. The driver was cooperating with investigators. All possibilities, ranging from an intentional act to impaired driving, will be investigated. Jackie Rios, NTD News, Los Angeles.
0: Next, an update on the recent shooting at the v- University of Virginia. A witness says the shooter specifically targeted the three dead victims, who were all on the football team. The suspect appeared in court this morning by video, but didn't enter a plea. A judge appointed him a public defender and ordered him to be held without bail. The student and former member of the football team was charged with three counts of second-degree murder. The university today canceled their football game against Coastal Carolina, which was scheduled for Saturday. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories.
2: Thank you, Steph. Kyrie Irving's indefinite suspension has now reached seven games and other players are starting to speak out. Irving was suspended for a minimum of five games back on November 3rd after posting a social media link to a film called Hebrews to Negroes Wake Up Black America. Brooklyn Nets owner Joe Tsai told the New York Post over the weekend that Kyrie Irving still had some work to do, which elicited a response from Celtics All-Star forward Jalen Brown. Brown responded on Twitter saying, quote, this response is alarming for multiple reasons. Brown then had this to say regarding Tsai who's a co-owner of Chinese tech company Alibaba.
6: Our society has more work to do including Joe Tsai and it's 2022 Um, it takes 10 minutes of time to see who you know these business owners corporations etc who they're associated with who they're doing business with and who they're affiliated with.
2: ESPN previously reported that Alibaba undersized leadership partners with companies blacklisted by the U.S. government that support a, quote, campaign of repression, mass arbitrary detention, and high-tech surveillance. This through state-of-the-art racial profiling. And in baseball news, Phillies two-time MVP Bryce Harper will undergo surgery on a damaged UCL in his right elbow next week. The team isn't sure though whether their all-star outfielder will require Tommy John surgery, so a timetable for his return is still unclear. And for your sports viewing tonight, 10 NBA games are on the schedule, including one with Jalen Brown and the first place Celtics taking on the Hawks in Atlanta. And finally, for you hockey fans, a triple header tonight in the NHL featuring the Edmonton Oilers and leading scorer Connor McDavid facing the LA Kings. And that's a wrap for sports. Back to you, Steph.
0: Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.